and welcome to another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast. Today, I am so excited to have Michelle Baker with me. How are you, Michelle? I am fabulous, and I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Love Transform anything with sales, absolutely. <laughs> excited, Wesleyan. <laughs> awesome! Let me tell you a little bit about Michelle. She understands that many female founders Women business owners and women sales leaders struggle with doubt, their inner critics, and consistent revenue. She's on a mission to ignite unstoppable confidence in as many women as possible. Michelle Baker is the chief confidence igniter, exhilarating keynote speaker, and confident living catalyst who masterfully guides her clients to capitalize on their current conditions, leverage obstacles as opportunities, and confidently convert more conversations into raving fan clients. Michelle has phenomenal results, accolades, and awards, and has compiled an incredible track record of raving recommendations with clients for over 25 years. So almost three decades of amazingness. I'm dating myself. Sometimes you almost don't want to say it because you're like, I'm old. I love it. I let it out there. I'm like, I've been doing this for almost two decades. And so that's why I said you've been doing it for almost three decades. So tell us, how did you get started and how did you get to where you are today? Oh my God. Interesting story. And that I actually majored in finance at Howard University. Um, left, you know, crossed the stage with the job, working for the Clorox company, finance and accounting development program my team, and I was really good at it. I was bored, senseless. Our, we had a team development from an outside vendor. So an outside vendor came in to do team development. Well, I was so intrigued with her and her vivaciousness and who she was that when the team went to lunch, I begged off to stay to hang out with her. And so we started talking. I'm helping her set up. I'm asking her questions. She quickly, she said, so are you on vacation next week? I was like, what? She said, you're on vacation next week. That's why you're here with the accounting department. I was like, I'm sorry, what? She was like, I'm doing the same team training for the marketing department next week. So I figured that's why you're here with the accounting department. (laughs) And I was like, no, she was like horrified. She was like, oh no. She was like, here's my car. I will do an intake with you. No charge. And that's how I discovered my first coach. And that's how I ended up doing uh, Briggs Meyer, uh, What Colors Your Parachute, which is the old one, some other training and discovered my three talents were either be a lawyer, be a manager, or be a seller. And Mm. seller was the easiest route. And that's what I did. That is absolutely amazing. I just love that. (laughs) So you sound so much like me where I was like, people like, you're, you used to be a chemist. I was like, yeah, I used to not talk to people all day. Can you imagine what's Lena talking to people? Just like, I can't imagine Michelle not like just staring at spreadsheets and numbers and like being in a box all day. So you had that very first experience with somebody who saw you. They saw yes. who you were and they said, there's something inside you that I want to develop. Tell me on the other side of that, like what were the emotions you were feeling when somebody was telling you like your innermost beings and pieces and parts? Oh, that, so that's interesting because when you first hear it and people initially, if you haven't done any personal development training, if you weren't raised in an environment where people spoke life into you and spoke your gifts into you and empowered, encouraged and inspired you, it felt absolutely uncomfortable. It felt wrong. Being Mm -hmm. raised the way I was raised, it felt prideful. Hmm. 
right? That I should want something aside from the fact that I had a job at a Fortune 500 company or at the time Clorox Fortune 100 company. Like I'm lucky. Why would you even aspire to do something different outside of this, which you have? Who are you to want more? So it just literally felt weird. It felt imposterish. Mm. There's so many times that I talk to leaders, or I'm talking to just people and there, there's this, I call it yucky stuff that yes. we carry over from our childhood. Yes. We carry over from our early life. We carry over from college. And some people are like, well, I, I had two parents and I had a really good life. And I'm like, yeah, that one time somebody told you that you looked ugly on the playground in the third grade, that actually is still in your brain right now. Yep. And that is affecting the way that you lead and that's affecting the way that you show up. So for you to realize at such an early age that, oh my gosh, this is actually something that is in my innermost being. Yeah, it was incredible. And it put me on a journey of self-discovery that took a long time. So my journey was not one that was quick. Like in the next two years, I learned and I ascended to the heights and <laughs> level. I dragged along insecurity and doubt and fear with me. I came from a very um, volatile and abusive background. I'm formerly incarcerated. So I came from a lot of stuff that I just couldn't get past. I didn't know how, and I ne didn't necessarily have the mentors or the environment, right? I shunned them. I literally felt so insecure for so many years that when opportunity would show up, I would talk myself out of it. I felt so like I could only succeed to a certain level before I started to implode. That's why I love the work that I do because I can hear it immediately in people, especially women. I can hear through their responses that, that what's going on inside. Yeah. And I absolutely love to love on it. Yes. Like I said, it's the yucky stuff. The yucky. So you were in finance, you got your first coach. And so talk to us, what was your journey after that point where you're like, okay, so I'm doing this thing. And now I have somebody who sees me, who's helping me go through these deep debts of all of this stuff that I'm holding on from my past. What happened next? I actually decided at that time as well that if I'm going to go for a job in sales, I'm going to do what my heart desired. So I had relocated from Washington, D.C. back to Oakland, California, because I felt like it was what I was supposed to do. And when my heart really wanted to go to New York, because I had done an internship on Wall Street while I was at Howard and fell in love with New York and I had cousins in Harlem. And I just said, if I'm going to go all in, I'm going to go all in. And like I literally picked up and left relocated to New York, you know, <laughs> rented a room with my cousins in their, in their brownstone in Harlem for a minute before I got an apartment and went out and found a sales job. And I sucked at it. I mean, just did not do well at all. And at the time I had a manager who was going through a divorce and she was taking it out on everybody on our team, everybody in the organization. And it was just, so, so I was working there I remember I was also a bouncer on the weekends because my cousin dated a bouncer and he needed a woman on his team. And I actually had a job at Macy's. I had three jobs. Wow. Never forget wow. that. My base salary was $18,800 a year, right? Living in Manhattan, right? Even though it was Harlem, I'm still in Manhattan. And it was the next manager who came in that we got reassigned and she relocated because she got engaged or whatever, came from the Long Island office and relocated to the Manhattan office. And she was a breath of fresh air. She was a light. She loved her life. She loved people. And she called me in and said, what do you want? And I said, like, I need to go back to finance. She said, okay, you can go back to finance as long as you make so many calls. Because at that time I was on, on the phone seller. She said, as long as you make so many calls so I can turn in and, you know, 
tell people that you're working, you can interview as much as you want. So guess what happened? The pressure came off. Mm. And I just started making calls, enjoying the call. Guess what started happening? Started selling. Mm. <laughs> started getting deals. And all of a sudden I got this opportunity for a full page and a half page. This is Yellow Pages Advertising. For people listening, that was a book that people used to pick up and look to do business. <laughs> Yes, for all my zillennials out there, Jed Z, who, who were like, what's the yellow pages? What do you mean like it was ad? this big book. <laughs> so, and so I ended up like having this opportunity for a full page and a half page. So she said, why don't we go out in person? Why don't we make it a day? Right. Because I can take you out. You know, she was came from field. She was a field sales. Right. Um, took me out. Uh, we did. We had lunch and I sold it. And I'll never forget it was, uh, the commission on it was $11,500 and my base salary was 18,800. So it almost made my whole entire salary on one sale hook, line and done. Look, okay. So let me pause you right there. Cause you said a few things that are so, so impactful one. And you know, this is my Achilles heel. Your manager, your leader can literally make or break your career in sales. Yep. And this is not a gender specific thing. My worst manager was a woman and my best manager was a woman, right? And so it is not that, oh, women are just so amazing or men are just so horrible or vice versa. It's just that. And what we already talked about, that inner stuff, that personal stuff that you're like, oh, I'm just going to leave it at the door but you don't really, and it impacts the way that you lead. And when there's a good leader who takes you under their wing and says, I believe in you, and you know what? You wanna look for another job? Okay, I'm gonna work this little reverse psychology on you. Go look for your job, just hit your numbers. I don't care what you do, just hit your numbers. And like you said, it took the pressure off of you. And then my second thing, a career in sales can literally change the trajectory of your life. To make in one sale, 75% of your annual salary, like who doesn't want to do that? And then sales managers, and this is just an asterisk I'm gonna put up there. When you're building sales comp plans, your salespeople should make more than their base salary and commission and bonus because they need to be incentivized to sell. A person is not incentivized to sell with a big fat base salary. Incentivize them to actually work. So I, I needed to download all of those amazing things. Okay, so now you're like, I'm in the sales thing. I love this thing. So what happened next in your career journey? Well, the next thing was once we sat down and you know we talked about it, she encouraged me to get a mentor outside of her. So I never forget, um, I can't remember, is it Steve? Steve Carey. Oh my God, I just remember his name. Steve Carey. He became my mentor. He gave me some Zig Ziglar tapes to listen to. So I started listening to Zig Ziglar. And we set the goal is that I would become a field sales rep. And I got promoted to that, to field sales rep. And I remember we did training in Vegas, right? That was like my first time (laughs) going to Vegas. We got to go to Vegas for a week and do training. Um, Key thing, if you ever do training somewhere you always wanted to go, go early. Get it out of you. Go early, have some fun. Then you can stay focused because all the people who came on the day we started were lackluster. (laughs) They were trying to to do two things. Me and one person went early, two days, had our fun, and we're focused on training. Anyway, um, what I got from it and what I I asked her at one point, right, when I got training, like what made her 
like want to give me that chance? Like, why did you give me that option of just making the phone calls? And she said, because you were one of the most highly spoken of people in this office. Hmm. And when, you, when anybody watch you from afar with just talking to people, how helpful you were, how kind. So this has been my common thread throughout my life. Um, how funny and jovial and easy you're to be around. She couldn't understand why I couldn't sell. And she knew mm. it was just that I was telling myself a story about mm. to sell and taking the pressure off. I would ease and just be the person I naturally was anyway. Wow. That is amazing. Like you set goals. So try to recap all of these amazing things that you did in your early career as a salesperson that salespeople still need to do today, that managers still need to focus on today. You set goals. And you had those goals, you made them known to people outside of your spectrum, outside of your sphere, and you drove toward those things. You actually literally said, okay, I'm going to move. I'm going to push. I'm going to go. And then you said, okay, so why me? Because that conversation of why me, it helps you with that inner person inside of you that always wants to tell you like, ah, you're not good enough. I call mine, I don't know if you have a name for your inner, inner critic. I call mine Wesser. And so when Wesser pops up, I'm like, mm, you got to go away. This is, I don't need you in here talking to me. Don't say those things to me. That's not true, right? And literally laying out how you want your career to be. And then not just looking at it, but putting things into action, striving for those goals. So field sales, how did you get into this dibbling your toe into this fantastic world of entrepreneurship? Oh, God. So I went on a journey from uh, Yellow Pages Advertising. I found the thing I enjoyed most was the customers, the relationships. But because of it was so high commission based, you barely had time. So I ended up going into pharmaceuticals. And from pharmaceuticals, I went into specialty pharmaceuticals, from general to specialty to medical devices to biotech. So someone recently went through my background with me on LinkedIn. I realized that I had throughout my sales career, the last job that I actually interviewed for before I ended in uh, corporate sales was Merck. So every mm. job after that was a referral or a recommendation. Mm. And wow. so, and that was because of the standard of the reputation of how I showed up and worked. I always believed in being incredibly valuable to my manager and my mm. colleagues. Wherever I work, I am, I want to know what is your dream? What are your aspirations? I want to know what the manager's targets are because my goal is if I, like once I hit my quota, I contact the manager and say, how much gap do you have left? What can mm. I pull in early to help out, mm. right? Who's struggling that I can reach out and give a pep talk to, right? Again, like I tell people, people want to have the absolute best and incredible life, but show up with a mediocre performance, trying to get by with doing the minimal, trying to avoid doing extra, you don't get incredible from doing mediocrity. Mm. They don't equate. Does it match up in life? Nope. So again, that's uh, literally how, um, so at one point I, you know, had ascended. I did my MBA. I did a comptroller role where I got relocated to Texas intentionally. I was relocating to Texas so I could be closer to family because my sister had just experienced her fourth out with near a fourth near-death experience in her life of because uh, she had sickle cell and some other comorbidities so i intentionally relocated to austin and they were in dallas to help out and in that doing that she came down and i saw some things happening and the common thread was i wasn't in texas by accident mm. and i literally got clear one day just 
I knew it was just a resign. I never forget. I was in the kitchen. I was doing something, heading up to uh, where she was, and she had come down to go through a blind program in Austin, and I knew the program would be ending in a couple of months, and I knew that that meant that she would need to go back to Dallas, and it just didn't make sense to me. I was like, how could you extend her the world of opportunity to create, um, be down here for nine months, and she had a boyfriend, she had made friends that lived, and they were staying in the Austin area, and all of these things were happening, and I'm like, and you're going to send her back to Dallas? You're going to tell her she has to go back to Dallas? And in that instant, I, I made the decision to step in as a you know, caregiver and be the primary um, aide for my sister. And it just kept snowballing. Next thing I knew, I'm like trying to do an 80% travel job, 10 states territory, her. And so I said, you know, I couldn't look for work and all the things. So I said, okay, step away from one, and then we will look for work locally. And once mm-hmm. I stepped away from that job, I got invited to a women's networking event. And I was like, oh entrepreneurship. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and that's the thing. So it's just, and I tell people it's the intentionality of getting clear on what my next step is, knowing internally with unwavering, complete faith and belief and understanding I am heading in this direction because I believe this is the absolute best thing for me. So as long as I do that, no matter what happens, I can always stay on course and it always always works out. I call it faith, right? You know, I tell people, we call it goo, God, Buddha, Allah, divine, the source, whatever you call your creator, but tapping into that higher power, whatever your divinity is, it helps me to stay on the path because then I understand that anything external is just helping me to either uh, refine, define my character so that I'm a better seller, I'm a better leader, I'm a better speaker, I'm a better sister. That's all it's there to do because I have a vision of my greatness. So everything else is just helping me to refine and define that and be better at it. That's it. Mm, Wow. That journey, something that you said that really stood out to me is we are the people that we've always been. And so as I was listening to you when you were in your sales career and you're like, okay, I hit my numbers, but what about my manager? What about my teammates? And I often talk about the different types of motivation and you are definitely altruistically motivated. You are motivated by helping others. You are motivated by the things that you can do. And so even saying, I'm going to move my life to a whole another state so I can be here with my sister. Like this is what I want to do. This is how I want to show up to the world. That shows literally the person that you've always been. You've always been that person who had that deep seated, I want to help. My goal in life is, yeah, I can make money, but what is that money going to do for the people that I love that I actually care about? Yeah. Yeah. And it ties to, you know, I learned at one point in life that our life and business and career will only grow to the level we grow. And so investing in myself has become non-negotiable. And like one of the books I never forget reading, it was the uh, five regrets of the dying. And the number one regret is that people did not live a life true to themselves. Hmm. And that changed me incredibly because then I was became a mission to just be me. Like I was exhausted from trying to be this person or do this and do that. So I just said, well, who do I want to be? And I just became mm-hmm. her and I just keep refining and getting better at her. And I tell people, so you see the word awesome behind me. And so I am all day awesome. And anything that interfaces with that's not awesome 
I just look at it like, okay, so what am I meant to learn from this? That's all. It's, it's not, you can't, you're not here to hurt my feelings. That's impossible. It's just words. If you haven't touched me, it's just words. You can't even offend me. Offense is taken. It's not given. It's yeah. just words. Right. And so my question is, what's wrong with you? How can I help you? What are you going through that you've decided as a human person to show up outside of kindness and thoughtfulness and graciousness and empowerment and encouragement? Why are you showing up in a manner that is hurtful and angry and resentful? So those are the questions I have. And that's how I coach, how I teach, how I lead people, because then you're literally become magnanimous because you have created almost a force field and you understand that interpretation of happenings is what you're doing. And I interpret it as something that has always beneficial to Michelle. Mm, that is so good. I love it. It's like, I'm awesome. Yeah, I believe that. I'm awesome. And if you think about some of the things you shared at the beginning, having that imposter syndrome, having that I'm not enough, or I don't know if I can do that all that negative self-talk. So to be able to say, I am awesome and I love who I am and I am this person and I love telling people Wesley's goal in life is to show up and be excellent because I am excellent. So like, what can I do? And I only surround myself with excellence, right? And so if there's not excellence around me, then I'm not excellent. So how can I really tap into that innermost part of me to make sure that I'm putting my oxygen mask on first so that I can show up and do the things that I need for those around me that I love, that I care for? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I so agree with that. You know, I, I did a presentation the other day um, and the person asked me, oh my God, how can I have Michelle every morning? And I was like, well, thank you. It's absolute compliment. And what it is, you don't actually want Michelle every morning. What you want is the emotion that I've just evoked in you. Like hearing my presentation, I have just inspired and ignited something in you that you want for yourself and you're completely capable of creating it for yourself. You know, and that's the, the challenge is most people do not create for themselves. They consistently look outside of themselves for something to fill a hole that can only be filled from the inside out. Absolutely. I want my insides to match my outsides. You show up, you look beautiful on the outside, you're doing your thing, but you're dying inside. And as women entrepreneurs, as women leaders in powerful positions, that dying on the inside, it affects you more than you know. It actually, it affects your physical health. It affects your mental health. It affects how you lead your teams. It affects your one-on-ones. It affects yeah. why you can't get a promotion. It affects why you can't get more clients. Again, I'm going back to my word, that yucky stuff inside. Um, if we don't like tap into that, we can never move beyond it. So you talk about really igniting confidence. And I think we've tapped on it a lot. But when you're dealing with a leader that really has a lot of stuff, whether it's trauma, whether it's current things that they're dealing with in their life, what are some of the things that you tell them that they can do to get started on igniting that confidence within? Great question. And one of the things that it's getting clear on your why. So generally, like when I'm speaking and working with people or people are hearing me and they, you know, want to interface and see about working with me, I always ask them, what was it you heard that made you want to approach me? So like, what was it I triggered inside of you? What was it? Because there's a moment that everybody has. So what is the moment that triggered you to even start wanting to have a conversation or thinking about the fact that you want to create some change or something in you so that you can be a better leader? 
Mm. Right. So following that thread, because that is going to be unique for every individual and just going and seeing like everybody's experienced bad leaders and good leaders. What was the best leader you ever had? What was it about that leader that made him amazing? Right. You do not need to recreate the wheel. Everything you want is inside of you. You just haven't sourced it. Keep looking outside. You keep thinking something's wrong. You keep comparing yourself to other things. You're hearing all this stuff externally. You're seeing all these things and taking time to sit still and begin to dive deep inside and really mine the richness that already exists inside of you is ultimate power. It is literally ultimate power. All day awesome. Seriously, this did not happen overnight and only happened because I started mining what was inside of me. So the external world either matches up to what I have decided, right? Because it's feelings, right? It matches up to what I've decided. And if it doesn't match up, I just like interpret it or engage with it at a very different level. Like, again, I tell people, you can't hurt my feelings. That's ridiculous. It's just words. And if you intentionally attempt to hurt my feelings, right, which is what most managers struggle with, they're internalizing and personalizing. Things aren't going well. I haven't made my numbers. People aren't listening to me. They're not taking me seriously. They're disrespecting me. It's all ridiculous. It's just words, mm-hmm. right? And deciding who you're going to be and be it regardless is the only way to create it. You're always going to have a period where your actions don't match up with your decision to be incredible Mm -hmm. until you become incredible. It's not an overnight journey and no one can promise you the win. That's the lie that people keep telling you. If you do this, you'll have it by a certain date. There's no promise Mm because every person is going to interface with it very differently at a different weight. You don't know what's going to show up, what you're going to trip over, how many times you're going to need to get back up. Somebody might get it the first time. It might take you a thousand times, but Mm -hmm. you're telling yourself something's wrong with you because somebody else got it the first time Mm -hmm. instead of stop counting and believe that you'll get it as long as you keep going in that path. Mm, That's so good. Why? It's like stay in your lane, right? Like stop looking to the left, stop looking to the right, stop looking behind you, just stay in your lane and focus on you because your excellent, your awesome is different than the next person. My excellent is different than yours, Michelle. It's like, it is different. And what is most important is to holding on that to that person that you are, that you have always been. And I love the thing that you said about feelings. And one of the things that I like to tell people when we get into this emotional piece and these feelings is when your feelings are hurt, what you need to do is take your power back because you have put your power into somebody else's hand. Do not allow somebody else to have that power over you to make you feel that way, to make you crawl up in a ball, to make you depressed, cry, angry. And I know it's harder than (laughs) I'm making it seem, but that is literally what you need to have in your brain. When your feelings are hurt, you say, how can I get my power back? Do I need to stand up to this person, this bully, this thing that's happening? Or do I need to just write about it and journal about it and release it and speak to my higher power and ask for healing, right? But that is the thing that you always have to tap into. How can I get my power back? Absolutely. One of the things you said earlier is that you only surround yourself with excellence. So the decision to be excellent, then you have created that circle of trust, right? Or I like the term brain trust. Everybody knows that, right? (laughs) You created that brain trust. So now when you first start on this journey and the decision to be excellent, amazing, magnanimous, incredible, all these things, if it was easy, everyone would do it. I tell people, as soon as you decide 
to be a person of value, to be a gift to the world, you are going to be tested. Mm-hmm. And so having people you can call, phone a friend, like when I started this journey, it was, <laughs> right, there were a lot of calls like that, a lot. Mm-hmm. And then as time went on, those calls dissipated and dissipated and like, wow, right? I'm not even crying anymore. I'm actually going right to the trigger and talking about how to get to the other side. It's not, mm-hmm. not even, to, not even in the issue anymore. Cause the issue is no, it's, it's a non-issue. All I want to know is how I'm going to move forward in this and not allow this to happen again. Right. It's a process of mastery. Mm, Right. So there is no there. People keep thinking I'm going to get something and all of a sudden you're going to get there is you're constantly learning and developing and honing your skills and your craft. Mm, That's all it is. Literally, it is. And when you said that, you know, you're calling people and you're trying to, you're getting, trying to get some comfort. And what happens is many times we're going through a thing, a crisis, a trauma, something in life. And the people that are in our current circle are on the people we need to have around us. And so we're calling and we're reaching out for them and they're giving them, that's the wrong advice. They're like, oh, yeah. let's go hang out. Oh, let's go do this. Oh, let's go do that. Let's do this. And it's not, that's not what you need to do, right? No. It's like, you need that person. Like, I know there was one time I was really going through something and I was talking to one of my really good friends and she was like, how much time are you spending in your Bible and meditating and praying and alone? Like, that was what she said to me. And I was like, oh, you're right. Because this has happened, that's happened. And so I'm doing like a quick 10 minute in the morning and I'm not getting my full 60 to 90 minutes in. And that feeds my soul, right? And so knowing that you have to really surround yourself with these people who are going to give you what you need at that time, right? And it's not saying that there isn't a time to go and hang out and have fun, but as you start your process of healing and you start your process of building your confidence and discovery, you're going to realize that you're going to shed some friends, but you're also going to make all of these new amazing friends who aren't going to be trauma bonded to you, who aren't going to be keeping (laughs) you down in the muck, but they're going to help you rise above all of those things. (laughs) Hashtag trauma bond, right? (laughs) Because yes, in women, we nurture. So nurture means that you, you, you uh, feed something and it grows. So whoever we are, we're going to feed the hot mess or we're going to feed the incredibleness. Yeah. Right. Either one, we're going to feed it. So if you have friends that you call them and you say, what happened and girl, what they do to you, or, you know, tell me what happened, tell you the story, right? Mm -hmm. Remember negativity gives us a higher hit of endorsements biologically, physiologically, as humans, we thrive on negativity. It feels good in our body. This is the truth of who we are. So speaking positive, powerful, purposeful, incredible, profitable talk that when you've been that person who's done all that trauma talking and bonding, it's not going to feel as good. It's not going to feel as good. And that's why finding is, you know, Wesley has said, finding the people who will hold you to that fire, hold you to that brick and mortar vision that you created for your greatness will help you to segue out. Because even though it feels good in the moment, it doesn't last. Mm. Like any drug, drugs feel good in the moment, but the result is not good for you, it's not good for anyone else. The positive, the powerful, the purposeful, the profitable, that does not necessarily feel as good And I promise you, as time goes on, it'll start to feel better and better. And the results are exponential. I love it. You always use this wonderful alliteration. You just said the powerful, the profitful, and the purposeful. (laughs) Like those, I love those three Ps. I love the way that you use alliteration and 
use terms to help people really connect with what they need to hear, those things that they have to have, those conversations that they have with themselves. And, you know, a lot of times when we're in those moments and we're like, I don't have anybody, you know, there might be somebody who's like, well, I don't have anybody. All of my friends, like I met this lady and we were having this conversation and I was like, well, who is that friend who tells you like, this doesn't make any sense? She was like, she's telling me to do the same thing. I was like, you need some new friends. Because like, if you don't have not one voice of reason, then, but again, you look inside, what am I attracting? Who am I attracting into my space? And there's a reason you're attracting those kind of people. So we got to start with that deep, hard inner work. Yeah. So Michelle, you've had such an amazing (laughs) career and such an amazing life. What is a situation, personal or professionally, that has impacted the way that you lead and show up today? Oh my God. So years ago, when I became an entrepreneur, one of my first coaches and mentors, Jane Goss Gibson, was the, uh, she was the one who actually invited me to an e-woman network chapter, right? And I just, uh, you know, thrived under her, was her right hand, helped her. And then when she was segueing out, I became her successor and I took over leadership and I was not great at it because there's not, was no formal training. I just, I was literally winging it, right? And I was, I wanted people to do it my way. So I was still in perfectionism, right? I was still trying to control, tell people what to do. And I didn't do well. My chapter didn't, you know, I got by, but it never grew and thrived in the way that I knew I was capable of doing it. And I ended up just, you know, having to walk away from it, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Never really turned a profit at it. And it was like one of those things that really made me question leadership, (laughs) Mm. question my ability to lead as an entrepreneur. And what I realized was my intention was to look good and right. Mm. It wasn't necessarily to grow leaders. Mm. Um, and so that really changed the way I, why I'm very altruistic, why I do the vision work and why I'm very uh, focused on what is it and understanding that when, you know, going back to Zig Ziglar, I remember I learned him years and years ago. He says, when you help enough people get what they want, guess what happens? Hmm. you end up getting what you want. So I went back to that old and realized I hadn't put in and decided as a leader, I decided as a, so it was that kind of the e-myth going from an employee to an entrepreneur Hmm. and having that entrepreneurial mindset that this is not going to go exactly the same way and being willing to be uncomfortable, inconvenienced, uncertain, and face the unplanned and the unexpected all day awesome. All day awesome. Mm, That's so good. And I really like that story because you shared, you know, a lot of times people have stories of triumph, which stories of triumph are fantastic, but you're like, yeah, I had to walk away. And so I realized that this just wasn't for me. And I had to, again, going back to that inner work, working on like, what is not really, I don't want to say what's wrong with me, but what inside of me do I need to work on to develop so that I can show up differently the next time I have this type of opportunity, the next time I am leading a team. Yes. And that was for me, that example. And again, willingness to listen to people, willingness to understand that if this person's on your team, they're a gift and it doesn't have to be right. Learning it, you know, I get to learn something in a different way to see it through a different lens by the way they do it. Give everyone a chance, you know, so it's leaders develop leaders. Yeah, I love that. I was managing. I wasn't leading is what I I discovered. So transitioning from managing to leading is the lesson that I got from that. 
Leaders develop leaders. That is perfect. And I really think that that might actually be the title of this podcast because I think it is so fantastic to realize that if you are leading from a place of little, if you're leading from a place of non-abundance, if you're leading from a place of scarcity, that is exactly what you're going to produce, right? Yeah. You are yeah. what you see. When people start using, you know, this we're talking about this negative stuff that people say that put into your space, that's because that's all the things inside of them. And those are the things that they are struggling with and they can't deal with. And so they just spew it out to the world, right? Like boom, 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 boom. So this has been a fantastic time, Michelle. Tell me, tell us, what is the one best way for people to get in contact with you if they would like to? Oh, the one best way is you can email me at my name, Michelle at MichelleBaker.com. Um, I'll respond to your email. Look forward to connecting with you. And I love, I work with individuals, teams, and organizations, and it's um, unprecedented consistency and radical responsibility is the work that I love to do with the confidence, right? And it's, um, so I absolutely love this work and will welcome any opportunity to connect. Awesome. I love it. And there go radical responsibility. See, love that alliteration. It's just like it just sits there. It just pops. Radical responsibility. So I encourage you guys to take some radical responsibility. And if you feel like you need to ignite your confidence, and I would say you probably don't even feel like you need to ignite your confidence, but you feel uncomfortable in situations, whether it's situations showing up with your teens, with your manager, at home, with your spouse, with your family, with your kids. That means there's something inside of you that can use a little tune-up or a little boost. So please reach out to my dear friend, Michelle, and give her a ring. Hey, <laughs> this has been a blast. You are absolutely amazing. Love me some Westling. She's incredible. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I do, I do, I do. When you love what you do, it's just easy to show up and do it every day and be excellent. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> And that was another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast. Remember, in everything and all that you do, try to get 1% better and you will transform your sales. Until next time. <laughs>